Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Numbers, chapter 23. In verse number 19. The book of Numbers, chapter 23, and verse number 19. The Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I want to speak to you this evening from, from this thought. We can still trust him. We can still trust him. Amen. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you so very much for the privilege to be here. Lord, there is without a doubt a heaviness in our hearts here this evening, but I'm asking you to just touch us and strengthen us, Lord, and let us find not only hope, but let us find direction, hope for today and direction for tomorrow. In your word we pray and we ask you to strengthen us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have been taught all of my life that Honesty is the best policy. My parents taught me that we would rather you be honest, if you'll be honest about the infraction, there'll still be punishment, but it won't be as severe. <laughs> and uh, so I have, would consider myself to be an honest person, and I owe that in large part to those who have helped shape, form, and mold me. Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you don't ever have to remember anything. (laughs) If you just tell the truth, always tell the truth. We could talk a lot about honesty here this evening, and and, um, I'm certain that the majority, if not everyone here, would categorize yourself as such. But this runs a little bit deeper than we may imagine it just first glance because one man said to believe in something and not live it is dishonest and so when we think about dishonesty in that light when we realize that it's more than just telling the truth or being above board in our dealings then it causes us to feel somewhat different about our claims to be honest we think about dishonesty in that light it gives us another dimension Another prism to look through adds another dimension. Robert Louis Stevenson said, The cruelest lies 
are often told in silence. And so if we've never told a lie with our mouth or if we have never acted out of the way, perhaps we have told something with our silence. Another translation of our text this evening says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and then will he not do it or has he spoken and not fulfill it? And of course the answer to that is not just no, but a resounding no. Which brings us to a fundamental question. And that is, can we trust God to keep his promises? And I know that at first glance and on the surface, of course, we say, yes, we can trust God. But I can testify this evening of the fact that the Lord has made me some promises a long, long time ago, and some of them took a very long time to come into fruition. And if we're going to be real honest, we can all say during those seasons of heaven seeming like brass and everything being silent, we wonder. Not necessarily in the strength of God, but we would ask ourselves, did God really say that? Or was that really the promise of the Lord? Joshua, the book of Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14. The Bible says, and behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. This is Joshua speaking. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. What a promise. Joshua said, I want to let you know that I am fixing to go the way of all the earth. Or in other words, I am fixing to pass from this life. But I just want you to be reminded of one thing. That you need to know in your heart and in your soul, he said, that not one thing has failed of the goodness of God. What God has said he would do, he has done. When he said he would sustain, he sustained. When he said he would give, he has given. When God said he would strengthen, he has strengthened. There's not one thing failed thereof. According to this verse, then of course we can trust God. We can trust Him. There's very little doubt in my mind that we have all been on an emotional roller coaster for several days. I really feel like that on, on many levels, a few weeks ago, uh, on a Sunday morning, right here in this church, something broke in the Spirit. And I think we recognize that and we've been rejoicing in that and I don't say that just as a blanket statement, but I really feel like that that the Lord just gave us a toehold in, in the spirit in the, in the spiritual sense. And then, of course, this past weekend was one of the most powerful events that I have been a part of in a long time. I've heard many people say something akin to this, so I will just join in and tell you that I. I can remember church like that when I was growing up. The Spirit of the Lord moving in a real way. And, and uh, I wasn't paying attention Sunday morning because there were far more things on my mind 
But if you were just a casual observer Sunday, I feel sorry for you. Amen. That you could just stand and watch a parade such as that and not get in line is beyond me. Amen. A, a, a very powerful thing. There was a churning really in the spirit all weekend. For some, it began Saturday in our leadership meeting. While Brother and Sister Varnum did begin to teach and share some practical ideas about leadership and leadership principles, there was a palatable presence of the Lord that was so evident Saturday. On more than one occasion, we stopped the teaching sessions and just worshiped the Lord. And what a, the spirit that we felt Sunday was that very, very evident on Saturday. And then Sunday morning service, that just speaks for itself, I suppose. Such an evidence of the presence of God. When I say that, I'm not just referring to people that were outwardly worshiping or those that were dancing or shouting or laughing or crying or whatever. But I believe there was something far more significant than what we could see just with our eyes that was going on. Something very deep, something very promising in the Spirit was being released in our midst. Words of prophecy that were going forth, and you don't hear me use that word a lot, but I do believe that we had some prophetic words in our midst Sunday. There were sure words of prophecy that were being released for us as a church. And then, again, for another group of our church, we went back into the dining hall with the man, the team, and the ministry of our church, and I had asked Brother and Sister Varnum, of course, many months ago to speak to them as well, and so we certainly <laughs> we certainly were working them over time this weekend. But as they took a small break and we ate lunch, and then we just picked back up, the, the Lord began to speak again and, and began to move again, just as real and just as rich as Saturday and in our service that Sunday morning. And then when that was all said and done and everyone had been dismissed, the room was empty except for Brother and Sister Varnum and my wife and I. They sat down with us and began to share what God had just laid on their heart about us and about this church in particular before they left. I was spiritually and emotionally charged. But I was also spiritually and emotionally drained at the same time. We finally got home about five o'clock or so and were trying to relax in the process of everything that we had encountered. It was sort of hard to come down, if it makes sense. I don't think we were the only ones. But trying to process all of that and my wife generally sits in her chair in the den. I sit in my chair in the den and we just kind of slip into our own little world. And as each one of us sit there trying to just process what the Lord had spoken into not only our lives personally, but as a church, um, just trying to get all of that untangled, if you please. Amen. I, I, I don't think we were the only ones Sunday evening sitting home, but I, I believe that many people in this church were were just somehow trying to hold on 
desperately not wanting to let go of that experience and keep it pulled as deep into our spirit as we possibly could. Monday morning, I was awakened about 5 o'clock, and I just felt such an overwhelming burden to pray, not about anything in particular. But when I was awakened, I just felt a burden to pray. And so I got up and went into the living room, and and I just say this by way of testimony. I'm not bragging or complaining, but I just had one of the sweetest prayer meetings, just a sweet presence of the Lord. I prayed, and not sure how long, that's not relevant, but um, it wasn't very long, and the sun began to come up, and I started taking care of some of the business of the day, and <clears throat> I was intending not to, not to leave home, but uh, there were some things that come up, and I had to leave, and so I told my wife, I'm not going to be gone long, and... Um, I'll, I'll be back maybe just a couple hours or so when I was almost home and my phone rang. On the other end was my wife sobbing uncontrollably. She had just received a phone call from Deborah Schloff about Rick. It was not just hard, but impossible to reconcile that in my mind. I was almost home when she called, so we went right over to their home. And, and we got there and standing in their home looking at my friend. My emotions were everywhere. Just about an hour ago, I had been riding down the road thinking about all the good things of the Lord. Thinking about our future. And now I'm standing in the living room and I'm looking at the house of clay that held the spirit of one of the dear men in our church. And I watched Deborah with her hands around him crying and praying and asking God for strength. Trying to figure out what was unfolding before her. And I promise you I'm not attempting to capitalize on this event. I would never do that. I just felt an overwhelming spirit today in my heart, an overwhelming unction just to come to this pulpit and preach comfort to us. It seems to me it wasn't all that long ago that as a church we stood here. It seems like there's just an uncanny semblance to Brother Fred just 56 years old. What a tremendous presence he was. What a great friend. What a positive influencer. Fred had enough problems to sink a ship. But you'd never know it. Came to the house of God smiling. He was a worshiper. And I remember that day so well, and then just all all of a the sudden there's just an empty spot, and then I just couldn't help tonight. It's hard to ignore a shadow that Rick Schloff cast. And I looked out and I see such an empty spot, a vacancy that I am reminded is forever with us now. 
But I just come tonight to comfort you and tell you this in the Holy Ghost that that we, we don't understand the ways of God. He said His ways are higher than ours and, and, and we're not ever going to be able to reconcile these finite minds to the infinite wisdom of God. And I mean, when, when you think about it, in all reality, it just some things make no sense. And it's okay to say amen to that. If you had been present when, when Stephen was being stoned in the very apex of his ministry, it, it just made no, made no sense. That, that Here's a man right in the throes of, of when, when everything is just right at that tipping point, and now he, he's taken out of there. And, and in his place, we know, of course, Saul of Tarsus that we know as Paul, Paul is now converted as a as a result of that. But think about something with me. Can you imagine the very first day that Paul shows up for church? Do you not think that there are some widows in that church that are widowed because of that man? There's fatherless children that are in that sanctuary because... Paul had had their father killed for propagating the gospel. What an awkward thing, the, the way of God. But who could know the way of God and who can, who can tell? We can't understand what God is up to. And, and I think about so often how that, that the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. And so to those who were so confused and so blinded by the circumstances, to the whispering crowd in those services when Paul walked in wondering why is he here? Who allowed him to come in? Why, who would allow such a thing as this? And yet to see that he climbed through all and, and waded through all of the whispers and all of the doubts and all of the naysayers to become one of the most influential writers of all time and contributors certainly to the New Testament. And, and we are really indeed, I think we would agree, we are in part what we are today because Paul picked up a pen and wrote some letters and those letters have echoed through time and we have record of them now even before me and you this evening. And so we are where we are. We can't figure out God, but we can still trust Him. Amen. We can still trust Him. He knows what He is doing even when it makes absolute no sense to us. Titus said in chapter 1 and verse 2, Titus said, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Amen. There was hope before the world began. And tonight our hope is not lost just because there's an ache in our heart and an absence in our family. So what are some of the things that God cannot lie about? The latter, the latter portion of Matthew 28 and 20, the Bible says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And so we know that God is with us and He will comfort us and He will heal the hurt. He will take care of all the things that seem to be absent in our life. But that's not all. What about during the times of severe trials? What do we do 
in those times, when those seasons, without even introduction, without even knocking on the door, they just impose themselves on us. What do we do? Isaiah said in the 43rd chapter, I'll tell you, Isaiah is a powerful book. But when you get into the 40s of Isaiah, you're treading in some tall cotton. Isaiah 43 and 2, the Bible says, And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And so I believe tonight that I'm in so many respects, as they say, preaching to the choir, speaking to people that have been through the waters but the Lord was with them. And when we were going through the rivers, sure enough, they did not overtake us. And when we went through the fire, believe it or not, somehow, like those three Hebrew boys, we made it out without even the smell of smoke on our garments, just somehow against all odds. And as someone, I think, just a service or so ago, aptly pointed out that the only person who saw the fourth man in the fire was the king. Amen. But he was with them nevertheless. And so our faith has sustained us during times of trials and tribulation when it seemed like our personal ship was taking on water. But we found comfort in the fact that God was with us and his word was true. You know, sometimes we're guilty of looking across the aisle or across the way and and we just dream about being that person. If we could just if we could just live their life and if we could live in their home and drive their car and wear their clothes and have their children and have their job and yada, 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 yada. But you know, um, you might not be quite as content if you knew everything about their house and their car and their clothes and their kids and their job. And so the truth of the matter is is that we all live our own lives, and we all have idiosyncrasies that make us really indeed who we are. The truth of the matter is, is there is no life that has not tasted the flames. There is no life who's not had the storms. There is not a family that has not been tried. There is not a, a marriage that has not been pulled to the near breaking point. They just don't exist. I, I've said this many times, and I'm not trying to be cute nor crass, but... I only know one person in my life, at least, only one person has ever told me that he and his wife never one time, never, ever, ever had a crossword. They've been divorced for several years now, so I guess they did that just <laughs> via email or they slipped one another a note. That was That's the truth. That's the gospel truth. We've never had a crossword. So what I'm telling you is this, that what you're going through is not so unordinary. It's not so far out of the question that someone else has not tasted of the very same cup. But you know, in all of that, we found out that we can still trust God. When the times of our prayer, and, and I talked about a sweet prayer meeting the other day. I, I talked about a sweet presence of the Lord that just filled the living room as I knelt and and at one of the chairs in our living room, I talked about how the Lord just filled the room. I talked about what a sweet season of prayer. I don't even know how long I prayed. 
If I just leave you at that, you may feel somewhat envious of such a prayer life and such a walk with God. But I can also tell you there have been mornings I knelt at that same chair and it didn't take nearly as long to get through it all. And it didn't feel nearly as warm and fuzzy. And it, I didn't feel heaven was standing at attention. I didn't feel like all the angels hushed talking so they could lean in just to hear what I was saying. But you know, in all of those times, I found out I can still trust Him because He really does hear. He really does know and He really does understand. And if I may even say, and this is very, very important, He really does care. He really does care. And so, tonight, I think we are in order to be here having our worship service. I think if Rick or Deborah had a vote in this, they would certainly want us being right here. But I think it would be foolish to try to have church over the top of something so obvious and a void that is so deep. God's promises echo through eternity as trustworthy. Because he is really the only one who is true. I don't know a better recipe for being a world changer than to submerse myself in the word of God and embrace his promises. If we're going to affect indeed the generation that we live in, and I've said often that what a great epitaph of David, it just simply says that the wrap up of it all, that he served his generation. And what a great epitaph. And so I know of no better recipe to serve our generation than, than to just immerse ourselves in the Word of God and pull those promises out of the book. I remember uh, one time specifically uh, that, uh, that someone had, 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 had come to me about something the Lord had laid on their heart. And they said, I want you to read this psalm. And when you read this psalm, everywhere it says David, I want you to replace that with Steve. thought, wow, that's kind of odd. And so I began to read that, and everywhere it said David. I didn't say David, I just said Steve. It was a little awkward for me at first, and so I just got online and got a copy of that same passage of Scripture, and everywhere it said David, I just took David out and put Steve in. And that's in my journal, and I try to read that as often as I can, because what was really true is that David, that the Lord wasn't just the God of David, but He is the God of you and I. And so that preacher wasn't out of order to tell me to do that. Amen. And so I can talk to the Lord and the Lord can speak to me. And just as He spoke to David, He can push that promise into my life. And so that made me read especially that passage differently. But other passages, I have that in the back of my mind now. When I'm reading that, when God is making this promise, I want to pull that promise out of the book. and I want to push that into my spirit and realize that I can, I can put my confidence in this because the Lord has never said anything that was even remotely untrue. And he has never made any vain or void promises. So I want to, I want to just, I just want to submerge myself in the Word of God and I want to embrace those promises. I want to put my hand on it and say, I'll take that. I'll have that. I'll have that and I'll bring that into my life. And so I don't know what I would do without those promises. If God is totally truthful, then we know that he will indeed keep his promises. 
Just like we can trust God with our salvation and just like we can trust God to forgive us of our sins. And indeed, I believe we all believe that and trust Him for that. And just like we can trust God to be with us during our darkest hours, we can also trust Him to keep us and sustain us during the times and the seasons that we just can't seem to pull enough of life together to make it connect and make sense. And so tonight I ask you to do the same thing. I'm asking you to hold on to what God has given us and not just focus on what God has taken seemingly from us. Because God understood from the very beginning, He understood the end. <laughs> the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Of course, we know that. Monday, we were all caught by surprise. But God wasn't surprised. and He wasn't running around thinking what to do, where to go, where to turn. He has a plan. He knew what was going to happen. Because of that, He has a plan. And so we move forward. We're going to be called on to move forward without someone that we just simply assumed would be there for the journey. But God had other plans. And so tonight, what our responsibilities now boil down to is this, is that we have to pray like we have never, ever prayed before for Deborah, for Todd, for Glenn, for Adrian. We need to pray for some grandsons that are going to need us like they've never needed us before. Not just a, a hug, they're going to need that. Not just a handshake, they're going to need that. They're going to need smiles and they're going to need compassion and understanding. But you see, they're going to need something that we don't have the ability to give because we don't really even have the ability to understand what it is. And so we go to God in prayer and the scripture talks about deep, crying out to deep. We can pray in intercession. And you know, sometimes we get a little bit lost in the church jargon, the Pentecostal lingo, so to speak, about feeling the prayers of others. I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever been in the right spot, you can feel the prayer of other people. We may use a little bit of our terminology somewhat loosely and we're all guilty of that but I'm going to tell you I have felt the prayers of people lift the weight and the load where I could take a deep breath and where I could think a little more clearly and where I could find some hope and direction for my life and so tonight we have a tremendous tremendous responsibility not one that will end Saturday at 2 or three, or four. But a responsibility that will continue on, and on and on. And so this evening, I feel like it would be in order for us to just stand and gather around this front. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to pray for this family like you would want somebody to pray for you. 
What do you say? Say whatever you would want somebody saying if it were you. Amen. We need God to touch us. We need God to strengthen us. And I. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.